Hey, if you want to listen to the full Burt Show every day, uninterrupted, we got no ads on that thing. All you have to do is become a bonus BS subscriber. That's bonus Burt Show. Find out more at thebirdshow.com slash bonus BS. The Burt Show. Women are such better friends to other women. <laughs> and I noticed that this weekend. I made that mental note about two dozen times this weekend watching Abby's Instagram as she <laughs> set up this bachelorette party weekend for her friend. How elaborate. It was beautiful. The details, oh, the excitement fantastic. of the bride and everybody. It, that is some, that's a gear dudes don't have. No, that's a gear straight dudes don't have. But it's also not a dude's love language. Like, I know that you guys are just a little bit more simple, and all y'all need is some chicken wings and some beer, and y'all going to be happy. That's it. Women, we love details and, and we don't even need to talk. We don't even need to talk. We just need beers. We just need chicken wings. Four hours together in the same room. We don't even have to talk, and it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. To be fair, that might make y'all better friends because <laughs> you don't need as much. But I also really enjoy planning, so all this weekend I really went in-depth when planning my cousin's bachelorette. We had little details sprinkled out. Like we had her give a champagne toast with our late grandmother's champagne coupe. We had um, seashells from her collection sprinkled throughout. And it was a lot of fun to really make it special because I knew it would mean a lot for her because that's what uh, she enjoys essentially. And I did go to so much effort to make it beautiful. And she was so appreciative, which I was grateful for because it was a lot of work, but it was fine. But I will say the one thing she appreciated out of everything that I did had nothing to do with the decor. So the first night after we set up everything, we put the roses out and the seashells and the custom cake and the cookies. Uh, we did this thing called the newlywed game. And when I asked her at the end of the weekend, like what was like the high of your weekend? She said it was getting to play that with everybody and getting to hear um, her fiance's responses to the questions that I asked her. And it was so cute and wholesome. So essentially what the newlywed game is, is you ask the br the groom to make iPhone videos of answers to questions about him. So one of his was like, what's Griffin's favorite thing about Griffin? And before you play his answer, you ask the bride, what do you think Griffin said? And so I recorded her answering and then we played his response. And the way theirs lined up so perfectly, <laughs> I know these two are made for each other. Like if they break up, this is it for them. They are done. <laughs> and I wanted to play a couple of them just because they are so aligned, especially when it came to what Griffin's favorite thing about Griffin was, which is his high school highlights. Highlights from high school. His high school highlights really are coming to my to my mind right now. What's Griffin's favorite thing about Griffin? It's got to be his high school highlights. <laughs> my favorite thing in the world is showing those suckers off. And when it came to his favorite food, they also knew the answer to Griffin's question. Say Hooters chicken wings. Um, I think I'm going to go with chicken wings. I don't know if I can actually answer this question. Has anyone looked at me lately? I eat a lot of foods, but there'd probably be three at the top. Hooters chicken wings or steak. <laughs> they know he's each a, other well. He's a simple man. And the last one I thought was really sweet. Um, I asked him about what his first impression of my cousin was, and they both had the exact same answer. It was so scary. Griffin's first impression of me was that I was, I'm a drunk and a really good time. <laughs> He said, ring on that one. It was an exciting impression. 
she was the drunkest on my boat and I said holy mackerel I'm gonna marry that girl <laughs> holy mackerel <laughs> these two belong with each other it is so precious and so because I love playing the game so much this weekend I thought I would ask some of some of our Burt show work wives and husbands um, to play the newlywed game so that is what we are gonna play now So yesterday, I asked Katie's work wife, Rebecca, and Jackson's newlywed work wife, Amber, <laughs> to answer some questions about each other. And Jackson's looking at me. That's news to me. This is news to me. Katie knew what was going on, but I did, I, Jackson, I still don't have your numbers, so I wasn't able to really inform okay. you okay, as to it. what was going on. But some of the questions I asked were a lot of fun, and I think it's going to help us get to know everyone more. And I... <laughs> <laughs> Why are we laughing? It's real cute. It's wholesome and fun. Yes. Okay, so the first question I asked both Amber and Rebecca was what fictional character best represents Katie and Jackson? What did Rebecca say? Well, wait, do you right know? Oh, that's just Katie. Oh, sorry, sorry. I forgot how to play the game. Yeah. I forgot how to play the game. So, <laughs> the way that the way that we're gonna play this is Amber, you're gonna guess, or not Amber? Katie, you're you're gonna guess. Slow down, girl. Take your time. Slow. You are gonna guess what Re you think Rebecca said, okay. and then Jackson, you're gonna guess what you think Amber said. All right. So repeat the question one more time. What fictional character do you think best represents you? Who? I have to answer with what represents me or what I think Rebecca said about me. Mm. Mm. You can do either. What animals? If you, if you want to win, maybe do what Rebecca, what you think Rebecca said. All right, the question one more time. What fictional character? Fictional character. Best represents you? I have no clue. It's got to be a vampire. Sleeps all day. <laughs> Rebecca knew immediately. <laughs> oh, um, I have no clue what she would have guessed. Uh, mm, that's, that's, that's a tough one. Uh, Jackson, do you want to jump in? I have no clue. I, I'm at a loss, too. This is all news to me right now. I don't now. even know what fictional character would represent me, so I'm just blank. Fictional character. I actually think you nailed it with vampires. <laughs> <laughs> you come alive at night. You yep. sleep all day. Sleeps all day. <laughs> just in time to go back to sleep at night. Okay. <laughs> Vampire's answer. Okay, Tommy, what did Rebecca say about Katie? Right off the bat, I know I'm getting this one right because I've heard her say it. Katie is number five from Codename Kids Next Door. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's so specific. How could you not remember that about yourself? Uh, I got number five, too, driving my Hummer in my closet. Like, I have a toy Hummer and number five from Kids Next Door. She's the driver. Uh, she... <laughs> She was like this little badass spy kid, but in this uh, cartoon called Kids Next Door that yeah. came out Cartoon Network. See, the beautiful thing about women is they listen to each yeah. other and they retain the info. Fascinating creatures. They don't listen to themselves, though, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what did Amber say about Jackson? I'm going to go with Dexter. Hear me out. Oh, <laughs> okay. Wait. He drinks his coffee black, and I have this rule, well, maybe more of a theory, that if people who enjoy black coffee on purpose, I mean, it can be anything, instant coffee, start, it doesn't matter. If I feel like if they enjoy black coffee, there is a good chance they're a serial killer, they have no taste, and they could be dangerous. Okay. <laughs> wow. At least she made wow. you a good serial killer. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, you got, after out of all the serial killers, the one I would want to be called is Dexter. <laughs> I was thinking Dexter like the cartoon, not Dexter the serial killer. <laughs> you are good with a knife because you make sushi. There you go. That's true. Okay, the next question was, what reality show would they be on? So, Katie, what reality show would you be on? The Circle. The Circle? Mm -hmm. 
Katie would most likely be on the circle. Jackson, what would you be on? Survivor. All right, there's a show that's called Solitary. Um, you can find that on YouTube, actually. And it's a reality show where they put 10 people in a pod okay. and, like, in these pods by themselves, and they have to go through, like, these psychological, physical, and emotional tests oh. alone. And I feel like Jackson would nail that game. Dude, super calm, super smart. He builds computers, so, you know. You guys are in the same room together, but do you talk? <laughs> Clearly she thinks I'm some sort of loner serial killer, which is a little concerning, I think. It's borderline offensive. Yeah, she, she's your work ex-wife as of today. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Katie, when can we tell when you're stressed? Oh, that's, that's a lot of answers. Um, when I'm focused, quiet, not saying anything. You can always tell when Katie is the most stressed because she gets kind of quiet. She quiets down. She doesn't do any beeping and bopping, no singing. It's a quiet room in Tommy's studio. I feel like if this was a movie, the two of them would start to realize they were perfect for each other. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile. <laughs> when can we tell when you're stressed? Uh, I think... I'm, I'm trying to think of how Amber would see this. Maybe, like, when the hood's up and I'm kind of locked into whatever I'm doing or when I'm, like, standing up, pacing back and forth. I haven't known him long. It's been, like, two weeks. <laughs> but uh, he seems like someone who would chew pins yeah, or straws when he's nervous. I don't know why, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> He's a pen chewer. <laughs> she so really has a beautiful what? image of you, man. Wow. <laughs> Just We're going to have a conversation. You know, it's a good, thing. <laughs> it's right. a good thing you have a girlfriend because if you did it, you would never have one after this. <laughs> I know. She's painting me in just this horrific light right now. I've never chewed a pen in front of her in my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Katie, what's something you would warn people about yourself? Whoa. Um, a warning? You should have like done a- this with Mo. Is who you should have done this with. Yeah, as she's oh. answering them, yeah, except for the first one. Um, something that I would warn people about myself. Um, hmm. The happiness can be deceiving. Oh, oh that was dark. Oh, that's deep. That is a good one. It's true. It is deep. And facts. <laughs> Do you need, are you okay? Do you need to talk about it? Yeah, I'm okay now. Okay. That, that could be the new Burke Show slogan. Our happiness can be deceiving. Jesus. <laughs> I feel like she already knows this one, um, but I would warn people that Katie is probably going to be late, and you should wait until she tells you she's oh, there. That to I'm leave. a flake. Yeah, oh. yeah, that has been your brand. Yeah. Yep. you're always tardy to the one. party. Yep. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Jackson. Uh, I mean that you kill people. <laughs> yeah, honestly, knowing what she's gonna say, like I don't know, was well, something to warn about me? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know how much she knows to, to be warned about. Um, let me then say think. nothing. You're perfect. Just say pinching. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that I drink my coffee black. <laughs> See, Jackson's like me, man. Still water runs deep. You know what I mean? His silence speaks volumes. So don't assume he's soft because he's quiet. 
You know what I mean? He's not, what you see is not what you get. There is way more to him than you think. And people should know that. Be yeah. careful. Beware. What do you mean? Because he's, he's, what is quiet and soft? I'm confused. She said that there's more to him and beware, like a body count. She 100% thinks she's going to get murdered by him. Am I two-faced? Like, what's going on here? We really need to put you in two different rooms. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I'll, I mean, according to her, I'll do better in solitary confinement. There's <laughs> nothing about you. The Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Burt Show's entertainment buzz. Drake is defending his friendship with Millie Bobby Brown, one of the actresses from Stranger Things. You probably know who she is. She plays Eleven. But they have been pretty public about their friendship since about 2017. Apparently, she met him backstage at one of his concerts. And there have been a couple of interviews where she's talked about the fact that they text and he gives her advice about boys. And I remember when she came out and said that we were all, because we've been talking about this for a while. Like, yeah, something seems off about this. I don't think so. I really don't. Oh, I remember you took that mm-hmm. stance last time. I really think it's like a mentorship thing here, but we're so wrapped up in like the lowest common denom- denominator of negativity that I thought that, you know, he's been doing this his entire life also. Being in the entertainment industry? Yeah, at a very young age. And I didn't think there was anything sexual about it. I mean, aren't we all looking for mentors? We are. And if he was in movies and did TV regularly, then I could see that. But... He does music. I think it's the celebrity part of the whole thing. And are we saying that you can't have a mentor that's the opposite sex without people immediately assuming there's something weird and sexual about it? It's not that. It's not about having... I, I'm, you, plenty of people have mentors of the opposite sex. It's the difference in age. I mean, she was in her, like, mid-teens. That's where it gets weird. I think it's the difference in age and the difference in career track. I mean, like, he was really good in Degrassi, but not that good. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think, I think Not he, good enough to be a mentor. Exactly. And so I think that's why people just have some red flags. And I don't think anybody's saying that anything is actually going on. But I think there have just been so many horror stories about Hollywood and the entertainment industry and older men taking positions of power mm-hmm. and grooming people that it's just... it's. It makes people nervous. And if Idris Elba wanted to be her mentor, that makes sense to me. Just because it's the same industry? Yes. I just think the entertainment industry is the entertainment industry. And I think we're, like I said, I don't want to repeat myself, but it happened to him at such a young age also that I just think that that's where he felt like, hey, let me guide you through this because, you know what? Young celebrities don't live the same life as young kids that aren't celebrities. Is it the industry or is it just celebrity? Because I feel like I thought it was all right, because they're celebrities. But if they weren't, and it was just the age, and it was just the dynamics of a man his age hanging out with a woman, her, I, I would feel like it would be weird. Girl. Girl, I'm sorry. <laughs> Girl. Well, there has to be some kind of common denominator there for sure. Yeah, so the people are a little weirded out. He's 36, she's 19, and in a new song that he dropped on his most recent album, it seems like he's just trying to put down the haters a little bit. So in one of the lyrics, he says... Uh, weirdos in my comments talking about some Millie Bobby. Look, bring them jokes up to the game. Gang, we get really flocking. We get to really flock in or send a finger to your mama and some FedEx boxes. Open up that S. It's jaw dropping. And he gets kind of aggressive in the tone, kind of like the undertone is stop talking about it because nothing's going on. Does some of this have to do with Drake himself? I mean, because he's such an F boy, right? Uh-huh. Um, that if we weren't talking about Drake and we were talking about somebody else that I can't think of right off the top of my head, it would have a different tone to it. Yes. 
I yeah. think so. Because okay. Idris Elba, I think that was a perfect example. I think if it was him, nobody would have batted an eye. Mm. But 100%. it's because of Drake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of Drake, he's continuing to give away money and gifts at his shows. And the most recent one in Toronto, he gave a Mercedes Benz G Wagon away worth $140,000. And I saw somebody post about this on Twitter. And I thought it was hysterical because this is the one thing that nobody's talking about. But somebody captioned the video and said, Drake creates tax nightmare for total stranger. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Talk about a spin, man. <laughs> Talk about everything being negative. <laughs> I mean, come on. But isn't that the case? Wouldn't they have to pay some kind of tax on that? Yes. They yeah. Would. But I mean, it really, I mean, come. I'm not like a huge Drake fan. This seems unfair to me, though. It, Rather than spin it like, oh yeah. my god, he did something nice. Oh, now you put some stress on her because it's a tax break. Come on. And, and you can decline the gift if you're not. I mean, we we've had massive um, giveaways on this show, and the winner has the mm-hmm. option to accept or decline because they're will be taxes assigned to it. But the fact that that's the headline, yeah, you know, it really is a, such a negative spin. Like the couple that he sent to Turks and Caicos might have to buy drinks when they get there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all-inclusive? No! Oh, oh the nerve on. of him. He should have sent them to Sandals. <laughs> okay, speaking of celebs and their money, Lana Del Rey says at every concert she puts on in a different city, she donates all the proceeds back into the city. She doesn't take a single penny. She posted on TikTok and said, every city I've gone to before this and now I just want to let you know every ticket every dollar it is poured right back into the city because it's not about that for me hmm. uh, it makes you wonder how, how you're paying your bills Man, you know, yeah it's expensive to, to tour and stuff okay Sophie Turner she's making a bold fashion statement because she's wearing a Taylor Swift friendship bracelet and she's having a little nod back to Joe Jonas mm-hmm. people are noticing this on Instagram she posted a, a photo of her friendship bracelet that said fearless and in the Swifty community is highly known that Fearless is mainly about Joe Jonas. So she's throwing a little shade. Mm. When this reality star is out of almond milk, no worries. He just uses his fiance's breast milk. It's oh. on your next e <laughs> What was that, Mo? I'm sorry, a little gas. <laughs> I wasn't ready. It's on your next e on The Burt Show. The Burt Show. Miserable. Have you said, oh my God, I am miserable. It's interesting that um, Kristen is bringing in this list today. I guess we're going to get all philosophical here. Uh, I think I have had, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to purposely be a little bit cryptic here. Um, an epiphany over the course of the last couple of months that you, I I think when you have the personality of sort of a fighter that you can fight and fight and fight until you get to a miserable point before you say, okay, it's time for me to change the situation. Now I'm miserable. And I think I've just now started to realize you don't have to get to that point. No, you don't. (laughs) You really don't have to get to that low to be able to go, you know what? It's time for a change. Mm -hmm. So um, I saw this headline, the eight most common ways people make themselves miserable, according to a philosopher. And I found it intriguing. And then I read the article and I found it incredibly interesting learned something new, and so I wanted to share it in case it could be beneficial to any of you guys or anybody listening. I mean, I think everybody goes through miserable times in uh-huh. their life, right? But as a general rule, if you find, like, life is miserable, yes. it's time to take a left turn. Mm-hmm. So this is from Jessica Stillman. She's a contributor at Inc.com. And I didn't realize that there is a phenomenon called subtraction bias, People tend to prefer to solve problems by addition rather than subtraction. 
So you look at your life and you're miserable. Miserable. So you feel like you have to add a bunch of stuff. Like I gotta meditate, or I gotta do yoga, or mm. I, I need to get a hobby, or I need to go out and party, or I need to like hang out with friends, rather than looking at your life and subtracting things, mm. right? So it's called subtraction bias, and it's very common for many people. So in this article, you're going to hear from two experts, okay? First, you have Harvard happiness researcher. (laughs) Yes, that is a job. His name is Arthur Brooks. And he recently pointed out in The Atlantic, we can improve well-being by adding joy to our lives, but we can also achieve the same aim by subtracting misery. So yeah, when I was talking about that addition, some of that stuff is very beneficial, but don't get so consumed with adding things that you forget, hey, let me look at my life and see what I might need to subtract Mm. in order to achieve happiness and joy and get rid of misery. That makes sense. sense. Right? right? Yeah, I think being a happy researcher is a stressful job. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I do. He's probably miserable. (laughs) (laughs) So you have Arthur Brooks, who's a Harvard happiness research, and then you also have... Bertrand Russell, and he is a philosopher, a Nobel laureate, and he he believed unhappiness to be very largely due to mistaken views of the world. And he broke down some common misery-inducing mistakes into these eight categories. Okay. And as with most things, it's so obvious. Did this guy go to Harvard also or is this a Kennesaw State grad? <laughs> well, I don't know. He was writing stuff in the 30s, so I'm <laughs> okay. not really sure right. uh, what, what, where he went. So number one, fashionable pessimism. In plenty of circles these days, being grumpy and cynical mm. is taken as a sign of depth and intelligence. This is not a new phenomenon. Brooks points out, melancholy was all the rage in Victorian times too. Choosing moodiness to look cool was dumb then, Mm -hmm. continued to be dumb in Russell's time when he mocked it mercilessly and is dumb now. So it's one thing, you know, to, it's it's not, you know, complaining is one thing and then being able to vent and talk about what's going on is another. But if you are constantly grumpy and cynical, that Mm -hmm. is going to affect your mood. For sure. Number two, social comparison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially nowadays, man. Big one. Russell believed that what most people fear is not falling into destitution, but that they will fail to outshine their neighbors. Mm -hmm. Um, Keeping up with the Joneses is a never-ending game that can lead to lifelong discontent. And if you don't believe the Nobel laureate, there's modern science to prove it. The solution to social comparison, according to Russell, is to focus on what you have and feel grateful. Yeah, you could avoid that back in the 30s when old boy wrote this, but, I mean, nowadays you can't, right? I mean, mm-hmm. with social media, it's a t- completely different problem. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, we have one bite guy in the 30s and one guy from today, So, because you, you got your happiness researcher. Now, envy is next on the list. They go closely linked to the above mistake. Envy is the condition of feeling bad because someone else has more than you. So Russell's proposed this cure for envy. Whoever wishes to increase human happiness must wish to increase admiration. Mm. Rather than suffer because of other people's excellence, celebrate and learn from it. Mm. So again, it's like tweaking little mindset stuff. All right, next is evading boredom. We are less bored than our ancestors were, Russell wrote in 1930, but we are more afraid of boredom. Boredom. So imagine what he would have made of the smartphone area era. But the truth is, no gadget or streaming service can fully save you from boredom. 
They can, however, distract you from essential but uncomfortable reflection and creative growth. The solution is to fight to regain your capacity hmm. to just sit quietly and notice the world around you. I can't do that. Uh, that, that whole boredom thing, man. I have fought with it and fought with it, and I am just not good at sitting still. Um, Are you I, guys? Uh, no, I'm not I'm good not. at it. I, huh? nah, nah, now that I think about it, not at all. I just know we don't have that problem, but no. Yeah, I'm terrible at it when I get a chance to do it. When we sort of sit still, I can lay in bed, but if I'm laying in bed, I got my laptop there, I got my phone there, <laughs> right. I got the TV on. Like, my mind, my body may be still, but my mind is, like, reeling. Yeah, we went through this a couple weeks ago, and my therapist said, yeah, she could just look out of her window for an hour. I'm like, what? Yeah, your life no sucks, bro. No, but it doesn't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I got about a minute of looking out a window at me. That's it. <laughs> All right, so there's four more. Do you want to save them for tomorrow? You want to keep blowing through them? Your call. All right. So next on the list is coping with fear. Mm. Anxiety has only increased since Russell's day, and it remains a thief of joy. Russell believed that anxiety is rooted in fear of some danger we are unwilling to face. Now, Brooks, the happiness researcher, notes before highlighting modern science on the uh, biological basis of anxiety disorders. But whatever the cause of your free-floating fear not going to the effort of finding ways to tame it will make you miserable. So if you are struggling with anxiety, and these are very real mental health issues, instead of just struggling in silence, you're going to have to take charge and do something about it. Next up is senseless guilt. Should you feel guilty and make amends if you did something wrong and hurt someone? Of course. But Russell argued against a baseless sense of sin or feeling guilty just because you are doing well and others are doing mm-hmm. less well. Mm-hmm. Oh, survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you finally got one on the list. I heard that. <laughs> All right. Our second to last one, virtuous victimhood. Russell again feels ahead of his time with his warning against playing the victim. Russell was critical of what he called persecution mania, in which one is perpetually the victim Mm. of ingratitude, unkindness, and treachery. One version of this is what some researchers have called virtuous victimhood, explains Brooks. Of course, sometimes people really are victims of injustice, but putting unending victimhood at the heart of your identity is a recipe for unhappiness. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this is my biggest pet peeve with some people. I know. Is this whole victim thing, man. That's Everything happens to them, not for them. Everybody's against. That's my biggest pet peeve. And there are legit victims. Mm-hmm. And then there are legit people who have virtuous victimhood. Yeah, those are really good. And then last one, fear of public opinion. Mm. According to hospice nurses and others who work with the dying, among the most common deathbed regrets is living a life you thought others expected of you rather than the one that was true to you. Russell apparently would not have been surprised. One should, as a rule, and this is coming from Russell, one should, as a rule, respect public opinion in so far as is necessary to avoid starvation and to keep out of prison. But anything that goes beyond this hmm. is voluntary submission to an unnecessary tyranny. Amen. And all this social media and everything, we're all up in each other's business now. So mm-hmm. it's so hard to avoid some of these things. I know it's hard to avoid and it's so much easier to feed into wanting mm-hmm. like that public opinion and wanting the likes and the DMs. Trust me, I'm the, I'm the number one person <laughs> who wants that. But social when I read, media is definitely embedded mm-hmm. in a lot of that. Right. But when I read through that list, I was like... 
while some of it was a little wordy and I had to read it a couple times to make sure it sunk in, mm-hmm. I was like, this hit the nail on the head, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, what's the name of the article if people wanted to look it up? So again, it was by Jessica Stillman. She's a contributor for Inc.com and it's the eight most common ways people make themselves miserable. Um, Rebecca has the link and we will share it on our personal socials and also at the website. All right, moving on. Uh, Cassie, is she the a-hole for making a family homeless? Is this one from Reddit? It is. Okay. And uh, my grandfather had a bunch of rental, residential, and commercial properties, and when he passed, he left of each of his grandchildren a house. The one he left me is in another state from there, uh, from where I live, and my initial plan was to sell the house once the lease of the current renter expires. The lease is coming up, so my wife recently went there to check out the house and to go find an agent to handle the sale for us. We visited the property to see what needed to be done and met the renters. They tried to talk us into not selling the house and extending their lease instead. They're a family with kids, and according to them, rent is going up in the city, and they can't afford another rental house. They'll have to go to an apartment, which will cost more, and they can barely afford that. They won't have a yard, and their kids are going to have to change schools because of the move. I'm sympathetic, but I didn't change my mind. I've never been a landlord and have no interest in being one. However, their pleas worked on my wife, and over the week, she tried to change my mind. She said, we can keep the house and continue to rent it to them, but I don't want to because it's in another state, and I have zero experience with renting a house. The other problem is the property management company that's currently taking care of the house informed me that the state and city recently passed a bunch of rental laws that make it harder for them to do business, so they're only taking on clients with multiple properties. This made me want to be a landlord even less. If the pros can't make money on a single property, I'm definitely going to lose money. I told her if they want it, I told like her as in the family, if they want it, we'll sell them the house at market price. And then they told us that they can't afford the down payment on a $300,000 house. My wife then floated the idea that we sell the house to them on the cheap, but I don't really feel like selling the house for less than market value. Her other solution is to finance the purchase ourselves instead of going through a bank, but neither of us know anything about financing a house for sale, so I definitely don't want to do this. Ultimately, the decision is mine since it was left from my grandfather to me, but my wife is really putting the guilt trip on me to go with one of her ideas. So am I the a-hole for maybe making a family homeless? Ooh, Kristen. Um, I would wait until they finish the school year. I know it's not what you want to do, and if you don't want to be a landlord, I don't blame you. It's it's It can be so many headaches. I get that. Um, but I think it's fair to give the family a year. Instead of just booting them out. Yeah, it's a long time. I know. Well, it's, it, it is, but it, it is, but it isn't. So I would let the kids finish out the school year. So next summer, I would be like, all right, next summer, you guys take time to try to find. They should be able within that amount of time to find another rental property, hopefully in that area and in that school district. So I would just try to make it as easy as possible on them to find a new place while also trying to unload the property so you don't have that burden. Is it possible to hire somebody to be the middle person here? Yes. So she doesn't have to have the responsibility of trying to be a landlord or the bad guy or the good guy. You hire somebody else to do it, but you let them stay there for an, uh, a year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's those those, those jobs exist. Yeah. Like, you can hire a property. It's a mm, property manager right. is what you're hiring. I, I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. <laughs> I, I'd like to think that I'd be able to find a way to get a family some time to really figure it all out. But with my experiences with landlords, if she does end up going the direction of doing what she has to do for the home, I don't think that makes her an a-hole. But I think if, if there is another way, she should pursue it. 
Yeah, I'm in the same boat as all y'all. Like, I don't think it makes you an a-hole. I just think it's a really complicated business situation. And I think Kristen came up with a great plan. Like, give them as much time as possible so that you can do what's best for you and your financial situation. So then you don't also have to become a landlord. But then also, you're not just, like, booting them out on the street tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think that they're the a-hole. Because the wife wants to keep it so badly and let the family live there. Cool. Wife is the property manager. Wife can handle all mm-hmm. of that. And as long, I would say, as long as we are making some kind of money every month on, or at the end of the year, once it flushes out with replacements, as long as we are in the black and the profit margin, sure, they can stay, but it's on you. What were most of the comments on Reddit? It's split. It's pretty yeah. split between like have a little like compassion and empathy for the family and also, hey, that's not your problem. You you inherited the house and it is what it is. That's just what life is like. I'm not a huge fan of spicy foods, but I do like a bit of spice in other areas of my life. Reality TV fights make it spicy. My margaritas make them very spicy. And when it comes to the spice cabinet you keep beside your bed, you got to have a wide variety of spices to keep things heated up. If you've been looking for some more flavor to add to your life behind closed doors, Adam and Eve can help you bring the heat with some fun new items to turn up the temp between you and someone else. Or if it's a single girl summer, there's plenty of options for those of you riding solo this year. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item and they'll include free shipping and rush processing so you can spice things up ASAP. And you don't gotta worry about your neighbors noticing your delivery. Adam and Eve ships things out in discreet packaging. So you and Deborah down the street don't have to make awkward eye contact when you get your mail. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one one item and select just enter offer code Abby at checkout. That's A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This exclusive offer is specific to this podcast. So be sure to use code Abby to get your discount code Abby. I'm not a huge fan of spicy foods, but I do like a bit of spice in other areas of my life. Reality TV fights make it spicy. My margaritas make them very spicy. And when it comes to the spice cabinet you keep beside your bed, you got to have a wide variety of spices to keep things heated up. If you've been looking for some more flavor to add to your life by Behind closed doors, Adam and Eve can help you bring the heat with some fun new items to turn up the temp between you and someone else. Or if it's a single girl summer, there's plenty of options for those of you riding solo this year. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item and they'll include free shipping and rush processing so you can spice things up ASAP. And you don't gotta worry about your neighbors noticing your delivery. Adam and Eve ships things out in discreet packaging. So you and Deborah down the street don't have to make awkward eye contact when you get your mail. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item and select just enter offer code Abby at checkout. That's A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This exclusive offer is specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code Abby to get your discount code Abby. The Bird Show. I witnessed a very angry fair worker last night. Worker at the fair. It was it was the water gun game. You know when y'all line up and you've got the water gun and it goes straight in a little clown's mouth or clown's mouth or whatever <laughs> and then whatever thing rises to the top and whoever gets to the top wins right so there she is <laughs> it's a funny scene now i think about it so she literally has like a newborn attached to her chest right and she she's the one that's working the oh, fair okay all right it was bring your kid to work day pretty much okay kids crashed out yeah have the time of its life right so some parents behind us, um, we needed five people to play the water gun game in order to get the biggest prize. Oh, okay. We will hold out. All right. There was three of us, but we were waiting for two or three more people to come in so we could get the biggest prize if we won, right? It was uh, me, Tiffany, and Eliza. And uh, 
So we waited and waited and waited, and a couple came up, and then they looked at it, and the mom said to the kid, well, if you don't win, you don't get the prize. And they just walked away. And Mama Fair Worker started going off. Did she? (laughs) (laughs) This is the problem right here with kids today. And she's doing it in this passive-aggressive way, so as the couple is leaving, she's saying it just loud enough (laughs) that they can hear it. This is the problem right here. I'll tell you what, when this little guy, and she starts pointing to the large (laughs) when this little guy is old enough, he's going to know that you compete, and if you lose, you compete again. And yeah, if you lose, you don't get anything. You don't get anything. Right. And that's what she was trying to say. And I thought about that as I'm looking at these Arnold Schwarzenegger clips this morning because his thing is, and he must be in his 70s now. Huh. So, so this hey. is pretty common, right? 70, 78? 76. Late 70s. 76, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Arnold thinks that we are just raising a generation of wimps. Don't start creating a generation of wimps where we go into be concerned about how are you feeling today? Oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings. It's nice to be considerate. Yes, I totally agree with that. But let's not over-baby the people. I mean, let's go and teach kids to be tough, to go out and do sports, to go and study, to struggle, and, you know, to go through this kind of painful moment sometimes. Um, I was watching... Um Reese Witherspoon was talking to Dr. Becky, who I follow on social media, and she's fantastic, by the way, if you don't. And they were talking about how key and how important it is for your kids to make mistakes and for them to fail. Because so much can be learned through failure, as well as achievements, but probably even more so through failure. I think, yeah, I've said this before on the show, and I know I sound real old, but I think that's where grit is built. Mm -hmm. And I think that... And, and I, th- I have a philosophy on this, but let me get to a second clip and then I'll, I'll get to my philosophy on why we're parenting the way we are right now. Anyone that tries to baby themselves and pamper themselves, oh, I don't want to feel bad, oh, I don't really want to go through any discomfort, it's over. You're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to struggle, accept pain, misery, and discomfort, because the more you experience the things that you really don't like and the tougher you get and the more you can handle I couldn't agree more That's with true. that. I mm-hmm. couldn't agree more. But I do think that we're now living in a, a world of parenting where we want to just make sure that everybody's feeling okay and everybody's mental health is all right and we don't want them to be upset in any way, shape, or form. And here's where I think it comes from, and this is just solely my um, theory on it, is like guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger have raised kids in such a hard way, right, that very disciplined Keep your head down, move forward, really not taking a lot of sensitivity into play that the kids of those parents, now that they are parents, are raising their kids completely opposite so they don't feel the same way that they did when their parents were coming down on them. So they've gone totally the other way. So like I am team gentle parenting. I think there's a lot to be gained um, and can be beneficial for the parents and for the kid. And that's not like, that's not to say you're, you're, raise, you're raising a wimp. It's like your kid's feelings matter. Like if you wouldn't talk to an adult that way, mm-hmm. don't talk to your child that way. Like come down on their level. It doesn't mean you're going to cave to everything. Gentle parenting isn't isn't saying your kid's going to get everything they want. That's not even remotely true. But it's also not screaming and yelling at them. There's no need for that. There, there, yeah. So it, there's just it's there's a way to try to. <laughs> 
I was gonna. I was about to say there's a way to reason with them, but there is no reasoning with the two and a half year old. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> um, but it, it is a, a a softer way of parenting. But just because it's a softer way of parenting doesn't mean you're raising a soft kid. Yeah. Um. I am very proud of the way that my ex-wife and I have raised our kids, and I'm very proud of the kids that they have turned into. And in looking back at it, I think that we accidentally um, did this correctly, that we raised them with respect. Yeah. They didn't always get what they wanted. Mm -hmm. We would have disagreements, but they were always heard. There was never any, or very few times, there was yelling at the kids. Hardly ever. It was okay, this is why it's going to be this way. And we gave them reasons so they never felt like they were completely and totally out of control. I think the balance is definitely the most important thing because both are necessary. And I, mm-hmm. I can still remember being younger. And, like, I think that's what my parents got right. They had that balance. My dad was hard. He was very hard on me. But as I got older, mm-hmm. I realized why he was so hard on me. And I needed a lot of those things. And my mom was much softer. And my dad used to get mad at her for being softer. But I realized now neither of them were wrong. <laughs> they were both necessary. Like, the balance is what you really need. Yeah. Now, don't get it twisted. I I I am an advocate of gentle parenting, but I have I have not always been gentle. <laughs> Sometimes you get pushed to your limits, but then you recognize that, you apologize, yep. and then you readdress. Yep. The Burt Show. All right, to catch a cheater, War of the Roses. Look, she might just be butting in here. Well, she actually for sure is butting in here on a situation she should be completely staying away from. In to catch a cheater, War of the Roses. Mo has the email. So. My husband has been asked to be the best man at his cousin's wedding. His cousin is just not a good person and certainly not someone who should be getting married. It's a strong stand. He doesn't deserve love. (laughs) (laughs) I am strongly convinced that he's not faithful to his fiance, and I'm pretty sure he would take any opportunity to cheat on her. I have serious reservations about him standing beside the groom and endorsing this wedding. I've tried talking to my husband about my concerns, but he doesn't seem to agree with my feelings about his cousin. He thinks I might be jumping to conclusions or misreading things. I really want my husband to see what I see and understand why I don't like the idea of my own husband being a part of this wedding. So, the reason I am coming to you all is for your help. I'm hoping you can do that segment where you try to tempt guys on social media and see what they will do. I'm hoping this will give me some proof to show to my husband, Dana. So Kristen was just saying that she is a big proponent of gentle parenting. I will not be a proponent of gentle hosting tomorrow when we have her on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is meddling to the 10th degree. All right. Yeah. Like yeah, you yeah. don't have enough problems in your own life. Mm-hmm. I am strongly convinced that he's not faithful to his fiance. Zero proof. Mm-hmm. You're seeing this through your own lens. This could be a great dude, but you don't think so. So now you're going to try to to ruin the marriage. And I get that she doesn't want her husband to stand up there next to the groom and endorse this marriage. But you're not the one standing up there. Mm-hmm. Your husband is. Right. This is his cousin. This is his choice. And there, I, I believe when some people who stand up there, it may not be an endorsement of the marriage, but you are, mm-hmm. you are, um, you're you're backing your person, like you're you're standing there, you're supporting your person. Maybe not the union, mm-hmm. but you still need to support your friend or yeah, that, your family member. That would be my biggest problem if I were the husband. Is it just feels like you're making it about you? Mm-hmm. This is not about you. You don't have any proof or evidence, like y'all said. And I have supported many a friend through a relationship that I didn't necessarily understand what they were doing. But you support your friend. You don't know what's going to happen in any relationship. At the end of the day, you're just supporting your friend. But is that light gassing? 
Light gassing by, no, because you're just standing up there and supporting them. I feel like light gassing would be if if the groom was coming to the best man with a problem and he was like, no, you're not in the wrong. Like if he really was cheating on him and the best man was basically like, well, you know, you're not even married yet, so that's fine. Okay, gotcha. I can't see any world where it would be best for him to step out of being a part of this wedding, mainly because A, now you have a front row seat to all the chaos, (laughs) but B, if you're close enough with the groom that you're being asked to be the best man, I'm assuming there's some kind of close relationship there and you're basically just backstabbing him on the most important day of his life. Yeah, I... I, when we get emails like this, sometimes I'm like, I just don't understand it because I try to flee. I try to flee from the, that, this kind of drama because life is going to throw it in front of you anyway, mm-hmm. right? So let's just play this out for a second, okay? Because we're going to go ahead and do this based on this hunch, which is really ridiculous. But one of our hunches is right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, then you tell you. Uh, but right? then at least you have proof and facts so maybe the best man can come to the groom and be like listen buddy like you're getting married and to me that would be the a good role for the best man to to play basically being someone who's going to advocate for a healthier relationship and advocate for this marriage but just by telling him to stop cheating see this whole thing feels utterly pointless to me all right so we do this turns out he is the scoundrel that she says he is. And he does something inappropriate, whatever, when we do like Instagram scam or Snapchat sting or whatever, okay? So now you have this information. You tell your husband, mm-hmm. what if it, your husband doesn't want to talk to, to his cousin, so he doesn't. Right. Or you tell your husband, your husband talks to, your, to the cousin, well, I don't feel like the cousin's going to be a guy that's going to like all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to be a whole different person now and change my ways. <laughs> and then, so your only other option is to tell the bride and are you going to go that route? I feel like you get this information, no matter what you do with it, no no good is going to come of it. Yeah, let me, yeah, that's good. So mm-hmm. let me follow that. for Because based on this email, we already got a personality type, right? If we're an FBI profiler, you got a woman here that just loves the drama. So if we do find out that this guy is cheating. If her husband doesn't want to do anything about it, she's going to blow this thing up either way. She's right? going to have to because I don't we, think the husband's going to do it. Can we make her sign a contract? <laughs> yeah. You, you're going to pursue that if she breaks it? I don't know. You're going to pay the attorneys? Is anybody a notary? <laughs> <laughs> like, I want her to be like, if you get this information and you tell your husband and he doesn't do anything with it, that's where it ends. Like, that's where the buck yes. ends. The Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Burt Show's entertainment buzz. Brody Jenner has left fans in shock after he admitted on social media that he made a cup of coffee using his fiance's breast milk. So he just welcomed a new baby into the world with his fiance, Tia Blanco. And he posted this video on social media where he's like, well, dang, I am out of almond milk. What should I do? So he goes into his fiance's room where she's laying with the baby. And he says, hey, we're out of almond milk. Do you think I can use a little (laughs) little bit of that breasty milk you got going on? And, And she goes, you know, I think that'd be really good for you. And he goes, I hear it's very nutritious. It is. So he goes back into the kitchen, makes himself a cup of coffee with the breast milk. Both he and Tia try it, and they seem like they enjoyed it. They they didn't seem disgusted by it, even though I was uh, fighting back a, a little bit of a gag watching it. You've tried my breast milk. Uh, I think that needs some con- 
contest. <laughs> I think contest. And, and a name. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who are, you, who are you directed at? Oh, yeah. I guess people who can't see us don't yes. know that I pointed out. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, Wasn't uh, me. <laughs> you want to give some context to that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was pumping at the time. And it, was it a Kentucky-Georgia football bet? What was the bet? Uh, you lost a bet, and you had to lap up. Then it some, definitely wasn't a Kentucky-Georgia game. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. What, I honestly can't remember what the bet was. I don't um, uh-uh. But you had to lap up uh-huh. my breast milk right. like a little kitty cat. I sure did. And, and I, you said you were. It was. You were. You were surprised at how. wasn't often. I. I mean, I wasn't awful, and I. I did not go back for seconds. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't awful. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Yes, and it is. It's very nutritious. It's good for your immune system. There's nothing wrong with it. What does it taste like? I well, like, I well, what's funny is Bert tried my breast milk, and I never tried my own. You never, not even out of curiosity. Do, do most women do that? I mean, some people like if you're testing it to see if you're warming it up, but they have so many different um, apparatuses you can use to heat your breast milk to a certain temperature. But sometimes you'll like put it on your arm just yeah. to feel like uh, to see how hot it is, and then you just lick it Old off your school. arm. But you don't but, like give it an angle and give it a squeeze and then put it in like a like a water fountain. No, no, yeah, I don't. I don't think my top. How's were that flexible? Cass, did you try your own? Uh, just with the wrist thing. Okay. Inadvert- like not even thinking about it. I was yeah. like, oh, wonder what this is going to taste like. <laughs> no, it's just like test the milk, like mm, get it off. And then I realized what I had done. It was sweet. Yeah. It, it was sugary. Bo- a woman's body is fascinating. I can't, I'm kind of mad at myself that I never tried it. And you did. <laughs> that does seem something very wrong about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Offset did this really fun sketch with Elle Magazine on YouTube. So Elle Magazine gave him a list of these mean tweets, essentially. And you know how sometimes people will read the mean tweets? and they'll make fun of them. Well, Offset actually decided to do a segment with Elle Magazine called Burn Ballads where he would get a mean tweet and then he would have a retort but use a, a, a rap to be a, to come back and, and say, don't don't say that about me, but obviously like a cool rap form. So somebody came for him about his collaboration with McDonald's and somebody said like it was underwhelming. Oh my God, can you picture him on the voice stage with a little keyboard and his like synthesizer and none of the just turn around for him. <laughs> she says it'd be really easy to have an affair with your Dancing with the Stars partner. She didn't do it, but she definitely thought about it. It's on your next eBuzz on the Burt Show. The Burt Show. Tis the season now for the haunted house, but this is not exactly what we're talking about here. Oh, yeah. Haunted houses nowadays, they're just not scary enough anymore. Like, what, what's going to happen? You're going to walk in and a ghost is going to jump out at you? been there, done that. It's happened before. We know what to expect. That's why people on social media have been coming out and describing what really should be haunted houses for adults. I can't suspend my common sense when it comes to haunted houses, so I can't enjoy them at all. I don't get scared. Uh-huh. I know I'm not losing a hand in here. No one's going to cut me up with a chainsaw. <laughs> um, I know it's just going to be really loud and somebody's going to be in my ear and I'm just going to be annoyed by it. I don't get scared in those I things. I want that gift. Same. Would you like some of my anxiety to yeah, make it yeah. scary <laughs> for you? Bring it, please. It's a perfect place to murder somebody because you're wearing a mask or makeup. You can slip in even if yeah. you're not an employee, act mm-hmm. like a member, step, 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 and leave. So, yes, there's a very good chance you could get killed and your killer will never be caught. <laughs> 
I will say ever since college, <laughs> Halloween has always freaked me out because my apartment complex was robbed by a guy in a Spider-Man outfit on um, Halloween. And so now I, I'm staying indoors on, on Halloween because you what? never know because it's the perfect play, time to do a crime because everyone's dressed up. No, I believe up. you. I'm just, I can't believe that. He had a Spider-Man. Costume on, yeah. He didn't even choose like a villain. He just went with spider Did he even look good in it? That's what I'm saying. Who's going to suspect Spider-Man of doing a crime? Yeah. He's the hero. I think Marvel should sue that guy, actually. Really? Uh, and for you, Cass, <laughs> um, when you Google the um, facts behind what your fear is here, has that ever happened in the history of Halloween? Probably not. Outside of a movie? No, it has. Has it really? I just Googled it. Really? Well, it's not It's not frequent. Like, it. this is... <laughs> well, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never Googled it because that was the one thing. I never validated it, so I can always tell myself it's an irrational fear, but apparently not. Ooh, where did it happen? Um, Haunted House Slayer Gets Life and Murder Trial. That's a New York Post article. Um, another one from WNEP. Man stabbed at a haunted house by friend who thought knife was a prop. Um, Oops. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, again, Ohio haunted house actor cuts 11-year-old boy with real knife Aww. on accident. Um, accident. All right. So let's say there have been 50 million people that have gone through haunted houses. You got three examples here. Yeah. Can't your anxiety get past that? You have you you have a better chance of something happening to you on the drive to work than anything <laughs> happening to you at a haunted house. Listen, my anxiety can get past that once I start medication. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, people on social media have now come up with these different adult ideas for haunted houses that would actually be scary for people our age. For example, somebody came up with the suggestion, millennial haunted house idea, where your boss emails you after hours with a please fix message, your bank account rapidly decreases, your family asks you when you're getting married, house prices keep rising, your biological clock is ticking, and your partner texts you, we need to talk. <laughs> and there's just a Very whole good. list of them. One of them says a haunted house, but it's just the bathroom of your hometown bar and a girl from your high school has an exciting business opportunity opportunity for you. And the door is locked. <laughs> so I believe we've all come up with our own idea of haunted houses that are our worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. Kristen's been very excited about hers all morning. Uh -huh. Do you want to kick us off? I would love to. <clears throat> you walk in and there's a bunch of men with beards scraping bowls with their spoons and slurping loudly. <laughs> that, that's your house. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> you turn the corner and there's a giant mirror. The lighting is super harsh, showing off every one of your insecurities and there's a rack <gasps> of bathing suits for you to try on. <laughs> you pass through a curtain and you see your kid's teacher asking, where is there about me homework? Did you remember the snacks for this week? Where are the cupcakes for the Halloween party? All of which you forgot. <laughs> As you walk into the next room, you see every package you ever failed to return and the dollar amount you've wasted is flashing over your head in giant numbers. No! <laughs> the next room is freezing cold. You see a refrigerator. There's a note on the freezer that says, open me. <laughs> you open the freezer and there's a pint of your favorite ice cream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You open it up. Don't say it. Mm. It's <laughs> That's my haunted house? The whore. The whore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go next. All right, um, so when you enter this haunted house, you don't hear traditional hollow, Halloween screams of terror. Mine is filled with sounds of jazz. <laughs> Jazz music. <laughs> First room is an antique sale. 
filled with enthusiastic antique collectors <laughs> asking you to share in their small details of each credenza and Chesterfield leather sofas. <laughs> if you can escape that room, you move into a room filled with Pier 1 home decor pieces and you must sit on each wicker place piece in shorts for no less than five minutes. <laughs> After removing your waffle ass from that room, <laughs> you enter the room sponsored by Cracker Barrel, in which you got to finish every one of their new... Pa- you know I have pancake ta- tacos? What? what? New pancake tacos at Cracker Barrel. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. So instead of like a taco shell, it's just a pancake shell? Yeah, and I'm not even sure what's in the middle of it. <laughs> okay. All right, then we move on to the scariest room of all. It's the room of Sandler. You got to sit through all the grown-up movies, Huey Halloween, and Jack and Jill. Oh my God, you're never leaving. Never, you're there never leaving, and that is my haunted house. <laughs> all right. Mine goes like this. You're checking out of Target. You see yourself in that camera. Oh, damn. Oh, no. <laughs> you get in there. <laughs> Reminded of how dusty you look. You turn around, and there's your ex. Fresh from church. She looks amazing. <laughs> Fresh from church? <laughs> then you leave. You run out. You get into a lift of where you specifically said, quiet. But they won't stop engaging in small talk the entire ride. Oh, no. Then you get home and get stuck into a completely full elevator. All to finally get out and get into your home and waiting for peace. There's no Wi-Fi. Oh, no. All you can watch is the news. After talking at work all day... Your girlfriend asks, <laughs> how was your day? Let's talk. <laughs> After finally finish talking, you go to sleep just to realize Dak Prescott is still the starting quarterback. <laughs> and that's how my mansion ends. <laughs> Abs. Okay. I wrote mine like the tweets, but I'll, I'll improvise. Okay, so my haunted house, you walk in, the first room, suddenly you're 10 years old and you're in a grocery store. Your mom appears, and she sees one of her friends in the aisle, and they start talking, and they won't stop talking. Mom, I want to go home. They won't stop talking. Next room, you finally get out, and you just see at the end of the hallway, it's a guy that you've been going out with, and all of a sudden, his guitar appears. And he plays Wonderwall on repeat, makes you watch with uncomfortable eye contact. Walk into the next room. And all of a sudden, you're surrounded by a room full of strangers, and they're all asking you to tell them a fun fact about yourself. (laughs) Your mind goes blank. You don't know. Suddenly, you know nothing about yourself. You say something, and nobody laughs. They don't think it's fun. You leave for the next room. Suddenly, you're surrounded by your coworkers. You're in a conference room, and you're stuck in a room in a meeting that could have been an email. <laughs> you're there for hours, but when you finally escape, uh-huh. you're surrounded by a wall with all the drunk text messages that you oh, sent to that no. guy. No, no, who, no. Who doesn't let you back and you have to read them. <laughs> and then you get out. Yeah. <laughs> the end. Happy Halloween. <laughs> the Bird Show. So there Rebecca found herself in Atlanta United game. In a situation where she could have either gone left or right and is wondering if you guys would have made the same decision in a tense spot. I'm really interested to see what y'all would have done because 
this was probably one of the more gross things to ever happen to me in my life. <laughs> and this is not your first Atlanta United game. Like, you've been to plenty at Mercedes-Benz. Oh, no. No, I go all the time whenever my parents can't go and they give me their season tickets. Mm. <laughs> That's the only time I get seats. But I love it. It's so much fun. The crowd is amazing. Mm-hmm. Everyone is usually, like, super nice. It's, like, such a great time. And I say everyone should go. But this was the last game of the season, and it seemed like the crowd around me when I sat down was already pretty rowdy. <laughs> there were these two dudes, like, I called them brosifs, because they were just giving that vibe. <laughs> like, they had decided that they were going to be the sideline commentators for everybody mm. in the surrounding area. Nice. But also just be, like, wrong. Yeah. Just completely <laughs> wrong. They always are. Yeah, I sat down and the dude points at me and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Is that a Columbus jersey? And I was wearing huh? an Atlanta United goalie jersey. Oh, come on. Okay. Moron! All right. So that's, where, that's, that's where it starts. Yeah, yes. okay. the guys mm-hmm. who think they know more than they actually do. And how old are we talking about here? They were probably early, mid-30s, okay. I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah, around that age. But they were living their best life. Honestly, even though they were super, they were really obnoxious, but I kind of was enjoying it for a little while because the game was like a little slow until the last five minutes. But right around halftime, <laughs> everything turned on its head because one of the dudes said something extremely funny, just so hilarious. It had to be because the other guy spit his beer <gasps> all down no. the back of my head when he heard it. Uh, I mean, literally? Literally spit take, mid-sip, gushing beer all uh, over my head. Oh, disgusting. Oh, it's disgusting. It's cold and flu season. I know. It, <laughs> Michelob Ultra down my face. <sighs> so pissed. Oh. It's really good for your skin, though. <laughs> I hope so, God. I like didn't even realize what had happened at first. I thought someone had thrown a beer and then I look behind me, and he is just shaking in his boots. Like, really scared. Like, oh, my God, what is her reaction going to be? <laughs> yeah, he is humiliated yeah. and so embarrassed. And I'm kind of shell-shocked because, like, half my head is just drenched out, like, from saliva and beer. Ooh. How much beer was in his mouth? <laughs> it must have been a lot because it was like a stream just hit me in the back oh. of my head. And his first gesture towards me was to take a shaking hand and pull out $20 (gasps) and try to hand it to me. What a a nice gesture. (laughs) And say sorry. So he he wasn't defiant. He was apologetic. He was immediately apologetic. So I was like, it's, I I didn't say it was fine, but I was like, it's, dude, it's whatever. Like, stuff happens. You took the money, right? No. What? Absolutely not. And this is why I want to know what you guys would do. Because I said, if I take the money, you're going to feel better about this. Mm. You're going to think that we resolved this in some way. And I want you to sit in this. (laughs) I want you to feel humiliated. (laughs) I'm not taking your money for what? Well, also, what is the $20 supposed to do? Like, buy you a hairdryer between (laughs) here and Mercedes-Benz Stadium? It's not going to do anything. (laughs) Anything important. But I, I, I think I'm taking the 20 I'm buying by next round with it. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's what I would do, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The $20 must be standard, because I don't know if you remember this, but but, but, uh, no one spit on me, but the guy behind us at the Atlanta Hawk game spilled his drink on me by accident. Remember that? That's right. And he did the same exact thing. He he was like, dude, I'm so sorry, and just handed me $20. And you took it. Oh, I took it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think I went and got us both drinks. We were, we were fighting over it, and it didn't even happen to me. <laughs> yeah, you got to take that cash. Yeah. In my head, I was like, this is the petty thing to do. Don't take the money. He'll feel bad. So I went to the bathroom. I like kind of like refreshed myself as much as I could, and I came back. They were gone. The $20 was in my seat. <laughs> oh, come on, really? He left it there. He just left it there. He needs to clear his conscience right there. Okay. Exactly. I would have been so impressed if you would have looked at him and said, 20, I just got a blowout. You owe me 50. Ooh. That wouldn't have been a bad comeback. Right? Mm-hmm. Hindsight's 20-20. So um, this is a way worse um, offense than what happened to you. Kristen will remember this. Um, but my kid, Hayden, when he was much, much younger, we were sitting in a booth at an Outback Steakhouse, and oh, the I booths did. are back-to-back to another booth, right? So he's four or five at the time, and he's a squirrely little guy. So he's standing up in the booth, and he's playing like peekaboo and hello with the family that's in the booth next to us, and they're placating him. It's really cute for about the first 30 seconds, right? And then all of a sudden, Hayden at four years old pukes. <gasps> Right on the back of two or three people in their booth. You know, kids don't give you warning. No, it's literally like, they're like, (laughs) (laughs) at the Outback. Now, it just so happened that they were big time P1 listeners. Huge listeners. Is that better or worse? It turned out to be better. Because uh, I think if they weren't virtual listeners, they might have been ticked off. But she turned, they were so incredibly nice about it. Oh. I would have been so mad. But in order to make it up to them, I did not give them $20. Um, my son puked predominantly on the guy on the table. And the listener was his girlfriend who said, I said, what can I do to make it up to you guys? And she said, well, my boyfriend's a musician. And I said, I'll play a song tomorrow on the radio. <laughs> That'll work. And I did. Yes, sir. <laughs> That'll did. do it. And she called in and thanked us. And it way worse than a beer. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. Oh, I remember you telling that story. <laughs> What do you offer somebody if, if, your, if your child vomits on them and you don't happen well, you to have a radio show? you pick up their tab, show? so you yeah. pay for their dinner. Okay, that makes sense. I'm assuming you did that as well. Sure you did. <laughs> and I don't recall that. Nope. Nope, no. I don't. Nope. And well, then you, you give them some cash for dry cleaning. Or okay. you get a morning show and you play their song on the radio. <laughs> That's <laughs> easy enough. You yeah. still owe them a blooming onion. <laughs> I bet you still listen <laughs> too, right? All right, why are we talking about Atlanta United? Why are we talking about anything except what happened in the Braves game last night? Hallelujah. You Braves fans, I know for sure, right, around the sixth inning when they were losing to the Phillies, right, you guys defaulted to that. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> and Braves are going to lose it. Because I don't know why I did. Um, and they made the most miraculous comeback in three innings last night that ended in the most epic way to beat the Phillies. Uh, Michael Harris there, center fielder, made this amazing catch. Amazing. That saved the game. And then throws the ball back in and picks off Bryce, Bryce Harper to end the game in the ninth inning. It was Epic. He deals a 2-2. Castellanos in the air to right center field. Harris is on the run. Harris at the track. He leaps. And he makes the catch. Harper might be doubled up. The throw gets away. The throw to first. It's over. It's over. (laughs) That is epic. That is absolutely epic right there. One of the best plays I've ever seen. Yes. (laughs) If you guys turned that game off in the sixth inning last night or seventh when they were getting skunked, and I know it's Braves fans, you know, 
even though they've been so good over the years, you still have this pessimistic heart about it. Man, it's one of the best endings to a Braves playoff game ever. Yeah, because they were down and then they came back. And then to have that play at the end, that was that was incredible. It's the Burt Show. The Burt Show.